welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my adroit and bellicose. Okay. Adroit and bellicose. Uh, (laughs) co-host. You had to really think about that one. Yeah, I have big words, but co-host is like... The the biggest one? That's my um, Achilles. Oh, okay. Hi, it's Mark Salcedo. So what... Okay, I already forgot what words. Uh, Adroit. (laughs) Adroit. What's adroit? Clever and resourceful. That is me, 100%. 100%. Well, Mm -hmm. 90%. (laughs) Bellicose is Mm. quarrelsome. It's synonym belligerent can also be a noun. I'm so belligerent, I just hit the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Those are, those are some very fine words here. Excuse me, why? Justice Mike. All right, cool. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it actually didn't make any noise. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I tried trying to, to cover it up didn't do anything, but yeah. make you look silly. All I did was make more noise for it. <laughs> <laughs> um... Let's see. Where can you find us? Hmm. On Facebook. The cor- on the corner of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the corner of Facebook and Twitter Street. <laughs> That's where we, we like to be on the corner because you know what we do. Um, <laughs> we, po- we podcast around the corner. <laughs> we sell our podcast ass on the corner. <laughs> um, and Instagram. You can find us on all three of those. Um, at The Real Appeal. Two E's and Real. You can also email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Uh, iTunes is where everybody likes to be. Mm-hmm. Give so, us those five-star reviews on iTunes. Yeah. Please. And um, this week, we are doing uh, Try This, Not That for a variety of time. Rebooting Westworld. And our geriatric cinematic is 1989's Harlem Nights. I wanted to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Well, I will, because the topic is three generations of comedy, or what Kelsey likes to call it, Harlem Nights Black Man Fights. You are so goddamn proud of that. (laughs) I'm surprised you're not just, like, saying that every day. I don't want to get punched in the face. I'm going to punch you in the face. It's not going to be me. might be one of your kids. (laughs) No, but what if I go around saying it? Mm -hmm. Because we're not really going around anywhere except to the grocery store. Yeah. People already want to fight me there for telling them to back up six feet. (laughs) So if I go around to the store, instead of, you know, hey, could you please back up six feet? And then someone tell me, hey, shut up. You're fucking stupid or you're fucking trash or whatever like they did to a couple weeks ago mm. um i'll be like harlem nights black men fights and i'll just get punched in the face no i think they would just think something's wrong with you and just walk away <laughs> i mean no one's gonna like really punch a disabled person that's really fucked up <laughs> that hurt i'm not saying you're disabled you're not i mean we are we are a bit handicapped all of us but yeah speaking of disabled or handicapped um out of a bit of a revelation today. <laughs> um, if you guys have been listening, I kind of, I, I, from from time from time to time again, I kind of, I tend to complain about my back. Cause I have back issues, especially for a thirty-six-year-old male, which is really weird. Well, it's not weird. I did a lot of like heavy lifting and like manual labor jobs, so I, I'm paying for it now. So today I was. <laughs> I uh, I went on a jog with my daughter, which we've been I've been trying to do it like every day, maybe like jog a mile every day. 
and in people who suffer from back pain, at least for me, um, jogging or walking without the proper support can be a serious issue. And uh, so I was walking. I had this back brace on, right? It was like a jogging back brace. It was kind of working. But I was like, all right, whatever. I, c- I can still roll with this. And then my daughter, she says, um, uh, Daddy, can I'm going to stop and I have to tie my shoe. I'm like, okay. And my next instinct was like, let me just pull up my phone and just look at it while she does this, right? And I thought, well, let me look on Amazon. And then, I don't know, without even really knowing what the fuck happened, I started looking for canes. <laughs> I was like, let me see what kind of canes Amazon have, right? <laughs> and they were like the standard like canes you get from CVS, like the black ones that... They're oh, like aluminum or something yeah, with yeah. like the foam handles. Yeah, or like, like they fold out or like whatever. I'm just like, that's just kind of whack. And then, and then I came across this cane. It was brown, like it was wood, it was wood brown and it had a golden handle, like a knob. I was like, yo, that's kind of sick. And then I saw like the other option for that type of cane and it was black with a skull on it. I was like, Oh shit, I think I might fucking buy this. That's fucking oh, it's not that price. It was like $35. And I was like, yo, I think I'm gonna go and buy this. And then I snapped out of it. I was like, whoa, what the f- what the fuck am I doing? I'm not that I'm not that fucked up. <laughs> so, Plus yeah. your mom has a cane that you could use. Yeah, but it's not cool. Like the like the brown one. Guess what? The <laughs> yeah. Neither of those are cool either. Nah, I can rock that that they're pretentious. No. I think it's, I think, yeah, some of them are, but I'm not pretentious. Well, yeah, I wouldn't I even of. go so far as to say childish. Really? Yeah. But I want to like roll with, st- I want to limp with style. Okay, <laughs> then get something that other people don't think is cool, like not I, one with a skull on it. So you're saying I should get one from like a Renaissance fair, like a wooden one with a with a glass orb on it. Kind of, <laughs> like I was thinking if you're going to get one, get one that's like, like knotted wood, like, um. Like twisted wood and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. That would look it. cooler. Actually, no lie. I I did think about it'd be cool if I can get a cane that like doubles up as a sword. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why didn't you show this side of yourself to me when we first? Start- We've been knowing each other now for like five years. Uh, I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> you get five more years of this. <laughs> So yeah, that's what I had to tell. I was gonna tell you the story like before you start recording. I was like, no, 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 no. I want to get, it. I want to like get it recorded. Fuck it, it's gonna be funny, <laughs> and it is. Yay. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you see me walking down the street with a cane, just remember, don't fuck with me because I have a sword in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done with my story. <laughs> Can we just move on, please? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's get going with our variety time. Uh, we're doing Try This, Not That. Yay! We got Try This, Not No, no, that. Mark, Mark, hmm. we already had the music play. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. We, we don't need your rendition yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like the only one who, you know cute of music but whatever (laughs) i already told you i was sick of your shit i don't need my ears to bleed again all right all right all right so um (laughs) i'll I'll go first for try this not that um as you know as myself and kelsey and i'm sure anybody listening to this um there's a lot of free time to watch watch what's on what's streaming 
a lot of things to catch up on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I checked out uh, this movie called The Art of Self-Defense. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie a while ago. And I was like, yo, I'll, I'll totally dig it. Because it has, it stars Jesse Eisenberg. And I like, I actually like Jesse Eisenberg's acting. Like, he has legit skills when he's given, like, a serious role. But he's known as, like, that very, um, I don't want to say quirky, but very, like, nervous-wracking kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he can talk really fucking fast, you know. Uh, but I checked this out. I actually, uh, I checked this out because my brother had told me that it's on Hulu and I should watch it. He was like, yo, did you watch this movie? I was like, no, but I'm, I'm glad it's on there. So I did. It's directed by uh, Riley Stearns. This is actually his second film. Yo, this movie's fucking bonkers. It is, it is great. Really? It is fucking great. So to kind of give you guys an idea, the story is about um, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, who plays this guy. Um, and they... It, okay, so he plays this guy who, on his way home from picking up dog food, um, he gets mugged. Um, and before that, you kind of get an idea, like, this guy is very nervous around people. You can tell he has, like, anxiety and social issues and stuff like that, right? And he doesn't know how to, like act and like really fit into like a, just like a normal crowd or whatever mm-hmm. so he gets attacked by these bikers okay and these bikers are like terrorizing this uh the town he's living in and he gets out he gets out of the hospital and everything he doesn't know what to do and his first actually his first instinct is to go buy a gun right mm-hmm. but then um he happens to walk by uh like a karate uh a, a karate dojo and he witnesses you know these people doing karate and whatever and he's hooked and he decides to get into karate and that's when like shit starts flying off the fucking rails because there's like sporadic moments of like uber fucking violence where like people gets like a like someone gets like their arm broken or like people are like getting their face punched in but it's like a nervous kind of thing you know, like Jesse Eisenberg is like doing his karate and everything like that. It's it's like, it's like okay. Are you talking about like it's almost like if someone has Tourette's, like. No, I, okay. I, this is what I will say. It's like it's like when you're. I, I mean, I remember going this like when you're a kid and you're like, yeah, I want to learn karate, right? But you're kind of like nervous about it, mm-hmm. and then in your mind you're like, oh, if I do a karate chop, I'll like break your arm in half and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, like shit like that happens. Where they're like, yeah, and it's a couple guys like, ah, and they're just like playing it cool, like, get out, like that. <laughs> and it's 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 a dark comedy. It is it is absolutely hilarious. Um, it took this out of nowhere fucking turn at one point near the end of it, where it's like Eisenberg versus like the dojo master. Even like the dojo master, it's like. I don't know. It feels like this movie set in the 80s. No, it said probably like in the early 90s because they have like CD players and stuff like that still in their cars. And uh, like you can tell the guy who owns the dojo, you can tell he was the bully in high school uh-huh. and just took karate too fucking serious. And at one point, like the dojo, uh, the dojo master says something like, you know, the guy who trained me, his name is master, blah, 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 whatever. And he was the master of of this belt and it's like it's a karate belt but it's like all the colors like red like like red yellow black blue green and stuff like that mm. if you know karate you only have like one color yeah you know, like that but he apparently he's the master of all that and the reason why he's the master of all that is because he says he's the master of all that. 
and um like every every like it and it has like a lot of a lot of quiet moments where you're just kind of like taking in everything and there are moments where you just go holy shit like what like what just happened you know all that kind of stuff and um his character starts to kind of develop this relationship with this girl named anna who's played by uh imogen poots um i can't remember where i've seen her before but i've seen her in a few other projects but nothing's coming to mind oh she was in now i remember she was the young girl in 28 weeks later she was the remember we watched that movie green room and it's about like those punk kids that get caught in that club and they have to get out and Patrick Stewart's in it. No. We saw it, it was like a very brutal movie. Like they were at a punk show. Patrick Stewart and they were oh, and they were yes. in the 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 I punk, remember it. The uh what's his name? Elton Yelton was like in a band and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of the girls who was in that room with mm-hmm. the big blue eyes, she's in this movie. And she plays uh Anna, who she assumes she's gonna be the next um the next in line, she's gonna. She assumes she's gonna get like a black belt, but there's a there's a very like mis- misogynistic type of tone in the dojo. Like at one point, um, the dojo master says something like, "Oh, she'll never be a black belt because she's not a man, and women are nor or women normally have no strength whatsoever." Uh-huh. Like that, it's like that <laughs> level of thinking yeah. from the dojo master, and the dude is like so ridiculous. They even make a they even make a joke about Jesse Eisenberg's name, who's uh his name is Casey. And at one point, uh, this is not spoiling anything, but at one point, um, the gun store that he purchased a gun, gave him a call. And he's like, yeah, may I speak to the lady of the house named Casey? And he goes, uh, this is Casey. And, uh, yep, I'm a man. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a lady. Your gun's ready. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> like stuff like that. Anyway, and as the movie progresses, Eisenberg's character gets more, a bit more violent. Um he wears this yellow belt. He, like when he puts on a yellow belt, he's like a different person. But when he's not, he becomes like this pussy again. And he figures out a way how to like get around that, which is actually kind of clever in a way, kind of cute. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, the ending, the <laughs> the movie just like, it, it doesn't go like super crazy off the rails, but there are moments where you're just like, that's fucking crazy, but it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the movie, they just go, fuck it. And then the movie ends, and you're just like, that all makes sense. I'm totally with that movie. Mm. So it's a it's a great film. I absolutely loved it. I this dude, um, the names escape me again. <clears throat> Sorry, Riley Stearns. I I want to check out his past work, which I think is called it's called Faults, um, and it has uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston in it, who I I like. He wrote and directed that movie called Faults as well. Uh, but whatever that dude does next, I'm like totally into it. It's like it's like if it's like if Napoleon Dynamite, but less quirky and mm. more violent. Hmm. Something like that. I can see that. Yeah. So I I highly I highly recommend that movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have a not that. <laughs> okay. What is this? It's called Code Eight. Ah. It's on Netflix. Ah. It is about. Um, here, let me read the IMDb synopsis first. Okay. A super-powered construction worker falls in, in with a group of criminals in order to raise funds to help his ill mother. Okay, standard movie. Standard movie. Kind of sounds like something we wrote <laughs> a while back. Oh, yeah, that it, yeah. Oh, yeah. But ours is actually... I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen this movie, but I think our story's better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got Stephen Amell and his brother Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
basically this guy his mom is like from the beginning you can see she's kind of sick right Mm. she works in a grocery store not being treated well she has cancer and because she actually has um abilities Mm. uh she has the ability to like freeze things um like within her within her her hands okay her powers are kind of going crazy where like she got in trouble at the store, right? Like, it's not giving anything away because, I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's the first, like, what, five minutes of the mm-hmm. movie or something like that? Okay. She gets in trouble because she froze, a, like, a glass jar of um, pasta sauce or something and then dropped it on the floor. Okay. She didn't have any control over that, and she's getting, like, little blue crystals on her hands. Like, it's, okay. it's kind of interesting. Like, the story is interesting, right? Or how they're portraying it because it kind of makes you think, like... How would cancer affect somebody with abilities? Oh yeah, because if like, it was in your DNA, yeah, because like, pe- like when people get sick, like they start losing their faculties and stuff like that. Yeah, and, okay, that makes I'm all right. Kind of got my interest there, right? Um, so and it's just him and his mom, right? Mm-hmm. So who's who's him? Uh, the main character. Um, I don't know which guy played him actually. Is it Robbie? Probably, which okay. is weird because they're brothers in real life, but they're not related in the film. Yeah, and like I've seen those brothers together, like they don't look exactly alike, but they. But you could tell they're related. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. Steve Amell, his character's like G109, and I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like if I was in that movie, I'd be like, Yo, aren't you brothers or some shit? Mm-hmm. Um. So. You start getting into this world a little bit more. Mm. And this is also kind of interesting. They actually have to register their powers. Like, they kind of go through. Okay. In the opening scenes, like, all of these news stories. Like, oh, we found these people that have powers. And then all of a sudden, something switches. And then they're, like, all of a sudden, they're they're considered bad people by the government. Or they have to be closely monitored. So, this kind of, like... So, this is pretty much like X-Men. Kind of. Okay. So, yeah, they have to be registered and, um, like, even what class you are. Like, mm-hmm. if you are low level or high level or whatever. Yeah, that's totally X-Men. And they don't, yeah. And mm-hmm. they don't allow you to get, like, certain jobs or whatever. You can't use your abilities without permission. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's a construction worker, but they're, like, totally welding with, like, their fire powers or whatever. Okay. Um, And then they get busted, mm-hmm. right? So, it's, like, this whole government thing, too. So... Can't make any money. He's having a hard time keeping a job. You have to disclose on your resume and when you're looking for a job mm-hmm. if you have abilities or you don't. <laughs> so it I'm, prevents you from getting jobs. I'm picturing like somebody with abilities, but it's like abilities not even worth mentioning. <laughs> like I can walk in, you know, chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Yo, there's some people who can't do that. No, but something, something like stupid like, oh, I can... I can pee out my mouth. <laughs> like something like that. I'm like, do I, do I really have to disclose that? <laughs> um, so, and it doesn't seem like there's a very wide uh, swath of abilities. It's usually like fire, ice. Oh, like the four elements. Yeah, like you're a f- like you're you're in a f- you're fire class. So it's like it sounds like it's a mixture. Of, no lie, it sounds like it's a mixture of X Men and Avatar last yeah. and <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um. So. So, anyways, obviously, what's the next step going to be when you can't 
make money. You got to like steal or you got to rob. So he gets in with the wrong people Mm. and things happen or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And also um, they have a drug on the market too. Mm, Okay. Where people with abilities can sell their like spinal fluid on the base of their neck. And give it to somebody else. And give it to somebody else and it gives them a certain high. Oh, okay. and I guess there's healing abilities too. Oh, okay. All right. Not from the drug, but I mean, like, there's someone that can. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So, what? What? Uh, it's obviously not part of. It's part of your not that. So, what did you not like about it? Because you're kind of, you're actually kind of selling. Like, I kind of want to check it out now. No, I know, and I'm not saying that you wouldn't enjoy it because I mm. think you kind of might. Mm-hmm. Because. Because I like. I like. Like, I think there's a fine line between, like something being within a certain genre and it's mm-hmm. good and it being kind of just falling short of something like upgrade. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. upgrade. You think of upgrade, mm. it could have fallen short in so many different ways that it didn't. Yeah. And it's kind of indie and it's really cool. Mm. And it's a, it's a straight up genre film, but it's like, it's done right. This one just kind of falls short. Okay. It just does. Like it has really cool ideas, but some of the acting isn't there. Mm. It's weird because the effects are there mm. and they have these really cool things called guardians that they, they have like this flying craft and okay. it's there to make sure that they keep everybody in line. So like you have to show, look up and, and show your face to the thing. So it's kind of like a so dystopian can, kind of thing. Now? Yeah. So it okay. can like recognize you as registered or not. And mm. like you should not all be congregating in this construction site or whatever. Yeah. And these things fall out of it and they're like. They're like robots, but they're really cool looking mm-hmm. and they will murk your ass <laughs> if you don't like fall, fall just in line. look up so they can see if you're, oh, wow. you know, good or bad or whatever. Okay. So what's the, I mean, without going to spoilers, what's the thing that kind of like, what makes it fall short? The premise of it, mm-hmm. the, the premise of it is really great and they just do the low-hanging fruit thing oh i hate that so it's like you have all of this cool stuff like this whole news story timeline that you see from like you know maybe the 80s or 90s all the way up until Mm -hmm. now yeah and um you see like how medically this could affect people without abilities or people who are sick Mm-hmm. Um, how the government is handling it in a little bit more depth than I think you would get from X-Men, but then they follow a very stereotypical storyline. Yeah, you're referring to, not X-Men movie, but just like, because <clears throat> that's, that's what I was referring to, just like X-Men, the F, the X-Men mythos. That's what I was referring to. No, I know, but like I'm that. saying like, X-Men doesn't really go into all the government stuff. It yeah. just kind of goes into, you're following these people. Yeah. And they're always trying to stay a step ahead. Whereas this one kind of broadens the world a little bit, oh, okay. which is cool. Yeah. And actually, I will say probably better than some of the X-Men movies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but uh, once you start doing like the stereotypical bullshit. Yeah. It just starts getting boring. I take it. Yeah. It's why I didn't want to watch Bloodshot because I was that like. That sucks. Everybody want, everybody's making movies about a guy whose wife got murdered and now he's going to kill everybody. Like, this is the same thing. It's like, okay, well, everybody's making movies where something, they have something cool, but you're throwing it away. 
Yeah. By doing something really, really stereotypical. Yeah. Like putting yourself in a situation like you have this about these abilities or a skill or something and you're put in a corner where you're like, well, I have to break the law <clears throat> to get ahead or whatever. And then I hear you're saying that sound that actually did. <laughs> I was like mildly interested to check it out. Well, I take the back. I want to say mildly. You were you were you were selling it to me. I thought I think I might watch this, even though I have. Apparently, I did not learn my lesson from fucking Bloodshot. <laughs> and then as soon as you said, like, oh, it's low-hanging fruit, and, like, they do nothing with the premise, you know, that's, I hate that. Fuck it. I fucking hate that shit. Mm-hmm. When they, I, and I love, and Kelsey, you can attest to this. I mean, I'm sure you can. The listeners could attest to it. Yeah, but no, but <laughs> you, but you yourself, you like a good genre film because it explores, like, as genre film, it, like, it'll use it as a setting, but it's not, like, the main focus. And it has like a deeper meaning story. It just kind of mm-hmm. like feeds you a certain. It's like classic sci-fi, like how Star Trek would have. Star Trek was sci-fi, but there mm-hmm. was like a message about like humanity or like oppression or yeah. like depression, stuff like that. But it, it would just happen to be on a starship. Yeah. This one seems like oh, it's all pretty, but like the premise, is, I mean, the underlying message is just like poo-poo. Yeah. No. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, even upgrade, mm-hmm. they still had some things that were a little stereotypical yeah cliche and stuff but they like did it in a way that was like okay this is cool this is different like they mm. really tried to change it up as much as they could yeah and it worked and this thing didn't really like mm. the world was cool but the center of it wasn't cool okay okay apparently code eight was originally a short film back in 2016 um so I guess maybe that that's what kind of set it off to be turned into a movie, to an actual full-length film. I think it'd be better off as a TV series. Yeah, that's that's like a world that you can really build around mm-hmm. and explore. And it'll probably, it would probably be on Fox and then get canceled in the first season. Like they <laughs> fucking have a habit of doing. Yeah. All right. Well, I probably won't watch that at all. Maybe if I want to turn my brain off or something, I might check it out. Yeah. Then we, I mean, it would probably be fun for us to talk about on our off time, like, yeah, yeah. just to see what we like about it and what we don't. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. This is one of those movies that I know you always say, watch something that's bad. Yeah, so you can see what's good. Yeah. So, yeah. This is one of those things that I wouldn't mind watching and oh, then, okay. like, talking about because it's, it's not good, mm. but it's not offensively bad. Yeah, it's like, it's... It's just don't waste your time. Yeah. Like, this is this is probably, like, this is probably a movie of, like, what not to do or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, how being stereotypical about things mm. can really, you know, dampen the mood of things. Okay. Um, before we jump out of the uh, uh, try this, not that, and then get into a rebooting Westworld, um, I kind of want to, we, we have to set this up. Um because we, Kelsey and I both saw something that is a definitely try this. Yeah. Dev. Dev, try this. Devs, <laughs> try this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, Kelsey and I had watched uh, Devs and they had just finished their final episode of the season. I actually found out it's, it's, it's a, it's a limited series, like one season, that's it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Kelsey had watched the, uh, okay, well, first of all, if you guys haven't watched Devs, fucking watch it. It just looks really pretty and intriguing Mm. uh, when you look at it in the trailers, Mm. Um, but you don't really get an idea of what it's really about 
And I guess that's kind of its whole shtick, right? Yeah, that, that's kind of Alice Garland's type of writing. But sometimes that can go either way. Mm-hmm. And we're here to tell you, it goes the right way. Oh, it goes, it goes completely the right way. Um, Kelsey had Kelsey had actually finished the season, the series before I did. And she wanted to talk about it. I was like, I haven't watched it yet, so we're going to have to wait. So then she was like, okay. And then that, that night... I watched, I caught, I watched like three episodes in one sitting. And at the, after the last episode, I was like, yo, wow, what the fuck did I just, it blew my fucking mind. I told you too. And Cause I, you're like, oh my God, I'm about to start the last episode. And you thought that I hadn't watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how many, are there only seven episodes? You're like, yeah. no, there's eight. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, you're like, oh, I, I left off on this part on the seventh episode. And I was like. No, then I saw the eighth, the eighth okay. one. Yeah, this movie had hit me so hard that like when I um when I went to bed, I was just staring at the ceiling like, holy shit, what <laughs> the fuck did I just watch? It's one of those it's one of those shows because like you know if you guys haven't if nobody if you people haven't checked out Alice Garland's work, you guys really should like Annihilation is not too bad. Ex Machina is amazing. It's a really great film. Um, his work on Dread is really good as well. Uh, but this show, it, it stars, um, what's his name? Nick Offerman. It stars Which Ni- I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know that it was him at first mm-hmm. because he had blonde hair. Yeah, and it was like long. And he has a beard long, and everything. Yeah, and he just looks n- not as intimidating with blonde hair. Yeah, so Nick Offerman, you know, the dude behind, the guy who's most... Mostly known from the guy in Parks and Rec, um, he plays this guy who he's, he he's a owner of a, like of a like a tech company, and he has a super duper secret project. And um, there is a woman involved, not in the project, but what happens is that um, the lady, her name is uh, Sonia Mizuno, who plays Lily Chan. Her um, Something happens to her boyfriend. She goes to investigate, and then she starts unraveling like this whole mystery of what is devs, and it gets deep, like theologically thinking deep. And I was just like, at, like I said, at the end, I just thought I have to rewatch this whole season. I have to go. I have to rewatch because it was so fucking amazing, and it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love Alex Garland's direction because he he knows how to work lights and and the color, mm-hmm. and it's. It looks fucking amazing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he was a cinematographer before he was a director. He has, I don't, I, I, Alice Garner has a lot of writing skills. Like, he's written a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, cinematography is, like, one of his, one of his forays into, um, into cinema. Um, but we don't, all we, all, I mean, what, what Kelsey and I want to get to is that you guys should definitely check out this show and fucking mainline that se- that series is only eight episodes about like what 40 minutes 45 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. um and come back next week because we actually are going to set an episode aside just to talk about this whole series yeah we're it, gonna it's basically gonna be like our recent review or our geriatric cinematic like we're not doing anything else with it yeah we're just gonna do i next week we're gonna just do what rebooting westworld like a, then, a variety time segment, probably. Mm, and then like devs. Yeah. And that's it. And then we'll push back like what we had planned for um, uh, Geriatric Cinematic till the week after. But um, y'all need to check out that show. It's so fucking good. Yes. I don't think we uh, 
really dug into what it is as much as we did our try this and our not that, but uh, what for dev? Yeah, but there's a reason for that because we just want you to watch it and yeah, just experience it without any preconceived ideas, mm. and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I always like it when I go into something not really knowing what it's about and it's being completely blown away. I remember seeing the trailers and I was just like, "Oh, it's Alex Garland. It looks amazing," but I have no idea what this is about. I'm in. <laughs> you, totally there's in. a couple that you like doing too. Oh, Christopher um, Nolan. Like, yeah, because you don't want to watch the trailers, trailers for, for Tenet. Tenet. Yeah, Christopher Nolan, uh, Edgar Wright. I've seen a bunch of his trailers. Um, but it, whenever that night, that last night in Soho trailer comes out, not gonna watch it. Because <laughs> it's Edgar Wright. I don't give a fuck. And then Danny Boyle kind of gets that for me sometimes. Um, but after what's that movie he did? We did not like that Beatles movie. No. Oh, yeah. That movie was pew pew. <laughs> Not the good type of pew-pew. <laughs> no. We're going to talk about more pew-pews, though, right now, okay? <laughs> we're going to do our um, rebooting Westworld. Bring yourself back online. This week's episode is called Decoherence. Mm-hmm. It is directed by Jennifer Getzinger. Uh, has all of our usual peoples. Mm-hmm. With some returns! Of a few characters from second season that was really stoked to see. Yeah. Plus, you know, somebody that we thought we weren't going to see again, and then we saw again. He wasn't super important, but it's just oh. like, oh, I like that guy. Oh, yeah. It Was that the one who I was like, hey! Like, all cheery? No. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about. In the World War Two scene. Oh, uh, hey! I like that guy. <laughs> anyway, okay, so uh, this is a very Maeve and Will uh, story. Actually, Maeve, Will, and Charlotte. They are the main um, characters in this series, in this episode. Um, so we find Maeve. She's back in the simulation and everything. We know it's a simulation because it's in Letterbox. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was kind of, I was a little bothered that the fact that she was back in the simulation again. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, like she knows it's bullshit. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this again? Um, but apparently, like, uh, Sarek put her back in the simulation to kind of get her juices flowing. Because she just, like, murks a bunch of Nazis. That's never a bad thing. Yeah. Never. <laughs> At all. Um, Though, I, I feel like that's kind of a throwaway. If we're going to start with that, mm-hmm. I'm going to say you didn't need to do that. That was just for show. Yeah. It was kind of annoying, right? Because, mm. like, this is my gripe with her the whole entire time. She's a really badass character that mm. essentially is going no fucking where. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially um, after we followed her in the second season, we had a lot of development with that character. This one, she seems like she's, her character's just spinning wheels. Yeah. Mm. Like, I want to see her out in the world, mm. like, doing shit. Yeah, uh, it starts off like that with her. However, later in the show, um, where she encounters somebody else, you know that we get a, we get a confrontation between the two, like a verbal spar back and forth. I did like that part, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll get into that as we go along. Um, Sarak is in there. Sarak is like, "Hey, like you failed, you failed me," and she says, "Well, I need help, so you need to get me help." So Sarak's like, "All right, I'll get you help." Boom, 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 boom. Um, so. We have a setup that Serac is going to give her 
um, three hosts to help her out. Um, one, the one who does appear is Hector. Hector comes back. Um, but it's like, it's like World War II Hector. Mm-hmm. So then she's able to wake him up again and it becomes Westworld Hector. Yeah. And when I, when that came up, I was like, yes, we got, we got that Hector back. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I like that Hector. Okay. Lee Sizemore even comes back, which I thought was pretty cool. Although it doesn't really make too much sense because, um, when she was in the simulation, she was out like in Spain or in Italy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, Sarek is like heading to San Francisco to buy Delos. So is she, I, it was they, this part got really fuzzy. So was she like being created or was she in the simulation that was on his plane? It was really weird. No, I don't think so. Well, then where was she was in the simulation? Like, like her, her unit, her system mm-hmm. that she was connected to. She obviously could not be in Italy. And like, it sounds like there's servers though. Yeah, but where's the server? What's the server on the on the? Because the server, okay. Because when she died, she was in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when she wakes up, she's in simulation. And everything. She obviously can't be in Italy because her body. They she gets a new body, but it's in San Francisco this time. So it's just like, why the simulation is going on? Is she in Surak's plane, or did Surak like throw her to San Francisco? It was like here, boom, like you're in simulation over there. You're talking about because her body has to be rebuilt. Yeah, but it's rebuilt in San Francisco. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So she's not. I don't think she's awake. No, I'm no. So mean? like she's not in a simulation the whole time because she woke up in one. So he probably mm. brought her online, like mm. air quotes online. Uh, after they landed. Okay, but see everything that was going on, he was still in flight. And remember, he didn't. He didn't get San Francisco until like almost halfway through the show. But he probably didn't have her with him. Maybe he had her with other people that were transporting that was, her so that yeah because he, he's a target okay see that's that's the thing they that it got kind of murky there i was like wait what like i, I don't think that really matters much i know well i know but it's it seems like they are kind of chopping up this season to like kind of make sense of whatever they can yeah uh granted it's not granted this episode was not a bad one it was actually a good episode because they they really were pushing the story forward again yeah so it's not that i mean that was like one it's but, just mave mave is like she's not bad it's not a bad story mm-hmm. it's just there's some things with it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then so we, Will, who's in a psych ward, um, from where we last left him like two episodes ago, um, I was able to, I saw this connection. Uh, it was a quick glimpse, but last week's episode when we get a, like a quick flash of what's going on in Caleb's head, like his past, mm-hmm. he's wearing this suit that seems like it's in a psych ward and these goggles. Uh-huh. And those, that suit and those goggles, those AR goggles. Or the exact same one that Will's wearing, so I don't know if that's like a standard practice and and normal like psychological. Um, it seems psych- like it is because the therapist said like before she left mm. was like he needs he's a strong a- candidate for AR yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. That's to say I don't know if that's like a practice everywhere or if it's a practice at just that facility because oh. we realize that facility is the one that Sirak put her. Sirak put his brother in. It seems like it's like backed by whatever company that is. Oh, yeah, because inside. So they probably yeah. have, yeah, like all the technology yeah, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. So they can kind of be experimental and do the things that they want to do. And okay. that's how he ends up with the mouth implant, too. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know because it seems like the rest of society knows about that thing. So maybe it's not just 
that facility, but maybe Insight or the company runs mm. a bunch of different facilities. Like it's a yeah. worldwide thing. So yeah, it's like, part like, of society. Like GM. Like GM owns like NBC and stuff like that. Yeah. Something okay, like that. You. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I did really enjoy the Will stuff because uh, eventually um, while like Will is in this facility, um, we get more of an idea of like the world crumbling. Like at one point there's a therapist who her information gets out and everything and mm-hmm. you, you know finding out that she had like multiple affairs with her patients and it's like no yeah three. no it says two and a half years into the future she's oh. going to get divorced and be um no it says she's going to have an opioid addiction and uh. have multiple affairs with different patients and it's going to lead to divorce oh okay i thought I so thought- that's why she got all those calls like don't bother calling me I'm t- oh, I've already taken the kids. Okay, because I took that as like she had been already having all these affairs and she was having an opioid addiction, but it was going to lead to a divorce. And boom, that was a divorce. I mean, if you kind of know how human nature is, maybe mm. she already has the beginnings of it at mm. the very least. Mm. But it doesn't seem like the show wanted to portray that. It seemed like the show mm. wanted you to think that she didn't have any of that just yet. Oh, okay. She was an upstanding therapist. Yeah. Um, but the system said that's what she was going to do. And that's her outcome because. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I her got you. husband believed it. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So Will is taken into like this AR treatment, which I, I, I actually really dug because uh, when he walks into this room, there's business Will who's wearing like the the tuxedo the night of the massacre we get young will that's a return of uh what's the character's name oh jimmy smith's that's the actor's name sorry and then we get the man in black will and then we get kid will mm-hmm. and then fucking peter mullen comes back as jim delos and he's like the therapist leader <laughs> like the group <laughs> yeah. therapy leader yeah i was totally doing that uh so this th- at this segment uh or this scene they were really playing with the idea of memory and if memory would cause would make you heal or you are able to use memory to heal mm-hmm. or does memory does your memory explain how you will be later on you know like will always kind of went off with this idea that like i'm not a bad guy it's the part that made me bad because it allowed me to have my inner desires come out mm-hmm. but when we see will's past at a young age he was he was a very very violent person you know yeah, but that I think they did that kind of strangely. Okay. Because I think they toyed with the idea that his father or his stepdad or whoever was abusive. Yeah, they they did. So like, yeah, they did say that that like the father was an alcoholic, but like but not so to then, the, not to the extreme. Yeah, but some people don't cope very well. I don't. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that he was just a violent kid because that's how he was made up. Mm. but if you're gonna put him in a situation like that like if they really wanted us to believe that he was just a violent kid yeah put him in a good home and then Uh, make him violent yeah you know what i'm saying like i got you okay it doesn't make sense that way if you're gonna just want us to assume that he was always a bad person Mm. okay i but but i think it was more about him forgiving himself for you know even since he was a kid and being told that he was violent Mm. i think I think it was more about the scars that people inflict on you as a child telling oh, okay. you you're lazy or you're violent or mm. you're whatever. Yeah. Um, and so then you need to forgive yourself of that to move on. So mm. I don't think it was like 
So let me deal with, he was always, was he or wasn't he always a violent person? I think it's always, he thought he was always a violent person because that's always what he's been told. Mm. So then it becomes, was he a violent person mm. or is he just a product of his environment? Okay. Okay. I can, I can see your point of view. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of leaning more to my side because um, when those versions of Will were speaking to the asylum Will, it seemed like they were they kept making excuses like I can't be this violent because, you know, like um, business will was like, I can't be this violent because, you know, I've done this, this, this and everything or I've channeled my energy to this. And then young will, which is like, hey, the park made me violent because I fell in love with the host, you know, and then men in black will was like, I'm, I'm not a violent person because I put all my violence over into this into this uh park so i mean that's how i that's how i was interpreting that that he was just trying to make excuses for how he was kind of destined to be a violent person i think he was making excuses for why he wasn't like he didn't want to accept what he had become mm, mm, okay. regardless of how he got there okay yeah he I just wasn't willing to accept it um because like you know how it is when you have anxiety or depression, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you bargain with yourself daily. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I just felt like that episode was him bargaining with himself. Yeah, I, that, it, it, that I agree with. Yes. Yeah, I don't feel like it was him, like, not a violent person or whatever, mm. or him not being a shitbag. I just think that it was him bargaining with himself to make himself feel better about the things that he'd done. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then regardless of really how he got there, I mean, mm. you you know, like, you could be a different person. Mm. I am. I, I, I am. I shift. I change every, like, three years. You change daily. No, I d- Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hourly. <laughs> Hourly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, even, like, my older daughter, like, mm. if we're going to use examples, like. She's really smart and sweet, but she also has, like, a side of her that's, like, kind of hard to handle sometimes. Yeah. But it's, like, if I if I focus on that, she's going to be set on the wrong path. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, I, that's what I'm saying about him. Like, the wrong thing was focused on, and mm. he didn't know how to handle it because he doesn't, he's not all bad. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think Will is bad. I think he's trash. <laughs> I honestly think he's trash. Well, I mean, I can't make excuses for him because of, you know, Dolores for 30 years shit, but Oh, I know, right? Like, I'm not I'm not sympathizing with him whatsoever, but oh, I'm, no. I'm just saying like all. psychologically, mm-hmm. you can see how people are set on a path from yeah. being a, the the most subtlest thing as a child. Mm-hmm. Like me being told I was a crybaby when I was little because I didn't like going outside when it was 80 degrees and humid as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And now I don't like telling people when I'm uncomfortable. Oh, I gotcha, yeah. Oh, I, I you understand. know, and that's subtle, but like other things mm. can set someone off on a path you don't know because everyone's different. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, you know, Will on a path, trying to bargain, mm-hmm. he, uh, he murks all those versions of himself. <laughs> I was like, he's like, I know what I have to do. Yeah, right. So I don't know. It, it, there are two. Th- I, I there are two thoughts of that I have about that. It can be either one that he's denying that what he is, and he's and 
it's right in front of him. He's like, no, no, and just kills it, you know? Or he's killing those past versions of himself because now he thinks he's something else now. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's my mind from that scene where he's like brutally beating the shit out of those versions of, I don't even know how he killed like Kid Will. I think Kid Will was just like laying there dead or something. I think they didn't show it. They were just like, I mean, obviously it's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then after from, oh, we also, I, there's one thing I want to mention. We also find out what the fuck Charlotte put in Will's neck mm-hmm. two episodes ago. That was a tracker. It was a protein tracker. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that, that works. Totally works. Um, so then, uh, uh, what's his name? Stubbs and Bernard shows up and they get him out of the facility, which is really weird because it's like, how the fuck they know where that facility was at? Yeah. Because, um, like, Dolores Connell told Bernard last episode, you know, Will's here, go here. But in this episode, Charlotte, um, Charlotte Dolores finds out and then tells Dolores Prime. So it was like, well, how the fuck did they know he was in? It was, it's just, it's a it's a big it's a plot hole that I that I thought of because of that that scene. Yeah, it uh, seems like they do jump around a bit. Yeah, like when uh, what's his face Hemsworth came out of nowhere. Yeah, like it, they are not explaining how people get to certain places. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then uh, we start following Charlotte. And Charlotte is, I thought this part was so funny. Charlotte goes home. Charlotte goes home to her, uh, her ex-husband, Jake, and their son. And he, she tells, she tells her ex-husband, I have to go back to the office. So she goes back to the office and she's talking to one of her, her coworkers. And it's pretty much like, or a member of the board. It was like, oh, we stopped the Sirac. We stopped Sirac from buying the company, blah, 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 this, that, and everything. And then out of nowhere, like two guys show up and like this murk this dude. Yeah, and like Sarek's just murking guys like out in the out in the open. I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, um, but his and his explanation is there's chaos, so yeah. no one's gonna fucking know or care. Yeah, that part that was one of my biggest gripes uh, with last week's episode. That the 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 display of chaos that was happening around the city around the area wasn't showcased that well, and this will we get a better idea of it, which I yeah. thought was better, especially with the therapist. Yeah, and it was really weird because, like, at one point while Charlotte's walking through the streets, you see somebody, like, spray-painting, like, literally spray-painting the maze. Mm-hmm. Like, some some random dude spray-painting the maze. Like, wh- that's, that's, I'm really perplexed by that. Like, how, why, what? Yeah. What's all that? Um, so, Serac, uh contacts Charlotte and says, like, hey, I bought the company. You know, I'll be down there at this time. Um, I got a plan. Dolores calls, not Dolores, Charlotte Dolores calls Dolores Prime and that Dolores tells her, you need to get the data to so we can make more hosts. And she's like, she doesn't want to do it. Because she actually wants to, you got a sense that she's really connecting with that kid and her ex-husband. And But Dolores Prime is like, no, go in there, get this, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And when Serac shows up, Serac's like, uh, Dolores, you know, she informs everybody. Dolores made copies of herself. It would be strategically smart of her to, like, get somebody who's close who's high up in this company. So we got to find out. So that's when the time Charlotte goes down, she gets the data and everything. She kills a guy. So they're in the middle of a meeting. Well, she goes to the meeting that Sarek had to hold. Like she'd already gotten the data. Yeah. She gotten everything she needed. Yeah, exactly. And she was like almost out. She was like almost out. You yeah. Know? And for some reason she went to this fucking meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so they go to the meeting and Sarek is like, 
hey, De- hey, Charlotte, I know you're Dolores. Not not how cool like I delivered that line, but Serac does it much better. He even says this line I thought was pretty good, where it's Dolores has said, um, "These violent delights would end with no. These violent delight will end violently, or some shit." How does the phrase go? I don't remember now. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Yeah, Serac turns that Westworld line. Or that line that Dolores has said several times. It turns it around and says it to Charlotte Dolores, which I thought was a nice touch. Oh, these violent delights have violent ends. Yeah, we turn. Yeah, he turns it around on her, which, I, like I said, I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, Dolores, I'm oh, sorry, I keep Charlotte. Let's stick with it. Charlotte like leaves like this. I don't want to say smoke bomb, but like a gas that kills everybody in the room, or maybe like knocks him out. And then, but Throck doesn't die. Yeah, because he's a hologram. I thought that hologram thing was just. I okay. I, I, I my mind was blown for a second because mm-hmm. I was like, for a second, mm-hmm. she wasn't dying and he wasn't dying. Yeah. So that, I was yeah, like, exactly. He's a fucking host. Yeah, that was like, oh shit! But then it's a fucking hologram. Yeah. And I was like, well, all right, whatever. No <laughs> um, hanging fruit. <laughs> so then Charlotte is she has to fight her way out. Which is, I thought that was cool. It was, this, I think. And it's th- cool. They did it. They shot it well. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of really cool action in it. Yeah. This, surprisingly, this action, these, this action set piece, her trying to get out, it's, it's done way better than last week's episode, which was supposed to be a more action-packed episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Charlotte even gets her, her Captain America Civil War elevator fighting scene which is really cool you can tell like all right that's what tessa thompson is getting like that marvel workout yeah all that training and shit and then um so while she this is happening mave is um mave is mave has um i'm sorry charlotte has found out that collins pearl survived the explosion mm-hmm. and i remember i looked at you i was like wow those pearls are fucking indestructible yeah like absolutely and Serac's people put that pearl inside the machine and Maeve that's when Maeve and Dolores meet again now we get like very few well first because Maeve actually knows she's being rebuilt she can see now where she's at yeah and like what's going on around her and who's around her Mm. before she's being built and then she's built right when Dolores is there Mm. so Serac um so Serac has Dolores uh, a copy of Dolores interacting with Maeve inside the simulation and this is like a chance for Maeve to like interrogate her and try to find out how to get to Dolores and these interactions between the two they are few and far between but when they happen they are fucking great like it's a great like back and forth Mm -hmm. you know Dolores in season 2 was like I'm going to destroy him because I want to be free and Maeve is just like no like you're not creating freedom you're just creating a different type of prison because you're murdering people now yeah you know and then dolores turns that around on her in this conversation which had me leading furthermore to dolores's side in for this episode because dolores points out you know mave you know you've sought out to save your your daughter or send her to the great the valley beyond but how many times has hector died for your mission how many times, like, and points to, like, Lee Sizemore, who's there, and he's like... She's like, it only took one time for you Yeah, to exactly, die. right? And it kind of puts Maeve, like, in her in her place. Like, holy shit, you know? Like, you've never actually really known pain because you, you're so focused on what you've got to do. And so at this time, Charlotte 
sees that these bodies are being built, one for Maeve and then the three other people. So what does she do? She goes to the the uh, the machine that's creating Hector, takes this pearl, which I thought one. I didn't really like it too much because it was like slowly done. Because Charlotte is like trying to get away, but she's like slowly walking to the pearl, looking at all like dramatically and shit like that. She almost seemed like she was in shock. Yeah, and then. She crushes Hector's pearl, and Hector's dead. And it's just liquid-filled, like... Yeah, it's like... Well, like she's like squeezing indestruct- tomato. They seem like they're indestructible, and then she just squishes it. Yeah. But she's not human, so maybe there's something behind that. Yeah. So, yeah, fucking Hector's dead. And I'm just like, well... Like, dead, dead. Yeah, like, finally, like, dead, dead. Mm. So Hector's gone. Um, May, and that's at a time where Maeve finally knows pain. Even though she said bye to Hector once already this season... Now she knows, like, oh, he's gone for good now. Yeah. Um, and before before Charlotte can... Oh, and while before Charlotte can take off... Actually, no, I take that back. So Charlotte takes off. Boom, 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 right. She's being chased by the by the guards. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> um, she gets cornered. And what did I say about that robot? Oh, that would be Chekhov's gun. That robot was gonna be Chekhov's gun, and it is Chek. It's Chekhov's mech. That robot comes back and fucking just smashes the shit out of somebody in a very violent way. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so cool, like how Charlotte is like doing, like it's getting like headshot, headshot, but she gets shot a couple times, and when she gets blasted, she's even limping like a robot. She's like dragging her foot. Yeah, yeah, and she um she gets away. And gets to her family. <laughs> she gets to her family, right? And they get into the car. And she says she says to her ex-husband, I'm going to keep you guys safe. I'm going to keep you guys safe, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fucking car blows up. Yeah. Did you see that coming? No. I didn't either. But when I replayed it, I thought... Oh, oh I should have seen that coming. Yeah, yeah. because she said she says a f- she says something that's very I'm sorry to say like very stereotypical when it comes to like movies or television where they say I'm going to keep you safe. Yeah. Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, but still like holy shit he she he that car blew up and the kids dead now. And I was just like, "Whoa, that's fucked up." Yeah, exactly. And then um Charlotte. Oh, and that also reminds me of Ciroc when he was talking to Charlotte. He's like, I knew you were the host. Oh, yeah. Because the real Charlotte would not have checked in on her son before she went to go do whatever it was she was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and I think that's kind of cool how, like, um, we've, we've kind of seen, like, this, this switch of, not of the Charlotte character, but, like, the fact that this host is more connected to Charlotte's son than actually Charlotte ever was. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty... I actually was really digging on that. Because, like, now it's, re- you know, it's been revealed that, like, Charlotte is not Charlotte. It's Dolores. But, like, how she has this connection. Um, to the point where, like, she was almost... Like, you got an idea that she was going to just do this one last mission for Dolores and be like, all right, I'm done with you. I'm going to go... I I now find another like reason. I have my freedom now. Yeah, and I have another reason to live, and it's this boy. You yeah, know? and now that boy is dead. So when the car flips and everything blows up and there's all fire and all shit like that, fucking Charlotte host crawls out, and that's where we get the T eight hundred Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> I saw her. She's like burned, like her whole body is burned, uh, and like she's bald and. She looks kind of weird that way. Yeah, when she crawled out and she like stood up. All I heard was dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, so yeah, and then she liked cries, and uh, I think well, that's the end of the episode, right? Oh no, actually, take that back. I'm sorry. Before it ends, um, well, it, the, her story ends there, where it kind of it opens it opens the question now: Who's Dolores? Who's this um, this Charlotte slash Dolores? Who's this? Who is this person going to go after? Is she going to go after Serac for Serac for killing um, her the kid, or is she going to go after Dolores for making her go back? Yeah. So I think we're going to kind of get like a. I guess Serac put it in her head too. Um, the Dolores doesn't really care about you. She left you behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because look what happened to Connell. Yeah, exactly. Was it, was it Ciroc who said that? I thought I, feel I think like it was. I, I believe Ciroc. Yeah, I think Ciroc was. Yeah, Ciroc did say when they were in the office when they yeah, were in that yeah. meeting. That's what he said. Like, yeah, Chief left you here to die, and he, like, yeah, Connell made the sacrifice and killed himself. But and he, he knew, and that's what their plan was. Yeah, and I think like that. Well, that Connell didn't really have a. Con- they, we didn't really show them having. Sorry, we didn't. The show didn't have Connell have a connection with anything particular. You know, if he had a wife or a husband or children or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that that was just more of, like, I will die for the cause kind of death. But this Charlotte, or this this version of Dolores as Charlotte, it's changed now. Like, the, her, her priorities are different. Right. So, I think we're going to really get a conversation between this Charlotte and that Dolores. Yeah. But I think it would be really interesting because now we're going to have, like, Maeve. I don't know. Like, we don't know what Maeve is still going, what side she's on. Obviously, maybe it's on her side, but if she might lean into like Dolores' side because of what Dolores told her or suggests is like, you're you're just like me. Yeah. So and I, now Maeve really doesn't have much to live for, so maybe yeah. she'll want to take take it down. Yeah, and um, so Maeve gets out. Her body's created. She gets out of the vat, which we haven't really seen before. Like, don't remember when we see their new body, they just wake up. Yeah. Um. And she sees uh, the three bodies that are going to be built. One was going to be Hector's, no more. And there's two more that are coming out. We see one that's kind of coming out. Okay. So, do you want to know who the second one is? Yeah. Okay. This is courtesy of Joanna Robinson from um, from Vanity Fair. Um, she was able to look at the ID that, the, that was on the machine. And she was able to put two and two together. Because when you see Hector's ID, it's like... It's a it's H S number 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 or whatever like that. So it's like Hector Suarez or something like that, right? Uh huh. So on that machine for one of the uh, the bodies that's coming out, it says C P, which stands for Clementine, like Pentaworth or something like that. It's Didn't a, I tell you? Yes, you did. Clementine is coming back. I knew she's gonna come back eventually. Yeah, it's coming back. So Clementine's gonna come back, um, and she has a theory. Uh, John Robinson had this theory of who the third body might be. Um, and she's only going off of what she saw at the like world premiere of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the woman who plays uh, Hana Rio. I think that's how you say her name. And she was in Shogun World. Shogun World. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord forgive me. I do not remember that lady. The I can't. The, the actress's name is escaping me right now. Oh, her name is uh, Tao Tao Okamoto. That's the actress. Um, she was the badass, like, bow and arrow, bow and arrow uh, user mm-hmm. in Shogun World. So she's thinking that might be that. That might be the third body. Okay. And I mean, I'm waiting to see. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's, like, the end of the episode. Um, like I said, I mean, who's May's backup? Kind of heard of who we think it is. Or who I think it is. Kelsey's just like, 
It's Teddy. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, joking. Um, also, since they're going to the, faci- the facility now, I wonder if Sarek's brother is still there. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting if he shows up. I think it would be, too. Um, yeah. One thing we didn't mention is uh, you get an outside look of the facility. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, was it the park or? Not, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the Westworld's uh, the main hub for Westworld. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, look, it's a starship enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, Kelsey said, I was like, fuck, now I see it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're burning all the bodies. Yeah, and cold storage. They're they're fucking nuking all they're they're burning all the bodies now. Like that's it. Fucking yeah, they're like they're trying to just get rid of everything. Yeah, Sorak is like sorry, I keep saying Sorak. Sorak. Sorak wants to like he wants to destroy all the information of Delos. He just wants that data that uh, uh Charlotte's been collecting for him. But he just wants to get rid of like all of Westworld. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why, man? That's like that's obviously he's not a guy who's looking for money, but he just wants to like get rid of that shit. Yeah, I think it's kind of fucked up. It is. So yeah. Anything else you want to add on? Um. No, I just can't. I hope. Well, the only thing I want to add on is, mm-hmm. I hope next week mm-hmm. we finally see Maeve do something. I think we will. Um, it sucks because there's only two more episodes left, and they yeah. only give her two episodes to do something. Maybe not even that, because um, from what I understand, this, the next episode is going to be, we're going to get more of Caleb's backstory. Like, maybe we'll finally get all that. <laughs> You're kind of scoffing, like, oh, God. No, it's not because I don't like Caleb. It's just Maeve. <laughs> you want more Maeve? I want good Maeve. Like, uh, not good, like, good, but, like, more of her. Yeah, you want a decent like, amount of Maeve. I want her going somewhere. I don't yeah. want more Maeve in World War Two. Mm. I want Maeve doing something yeah maybe that'll happen but i like in, caleb's story so maybe that'll happen in the um in the season finale or the well maybe series finale but in the season finale we're just gonna get like a Maeve and dolores field episode maybe so i don't know we'll that see what sucks. happens <laughs> yeah it took like all this time to get to that one Maeve filled episode yeah yeah well all right i think that's gonna be it for uh this week right Sorry, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and try that again. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> Psych. All right, folks. Um, yeah, that's going to be it. Right, Kelsey? <laughs> yes, that's it. All right. <laughs> All right. And now it's not the end of the show. <laughs> We're going to do our geriatric cinematic. In 1938, the nights belonged to Harlem. The place to be was Club Sugar Rays. The man to know was Quick. Now, when you see Quick, I suggest you guys make plans to go elsewhere. I ain't afraid of going up against Smalls or Calhoun. That's because you're young. (laughs) Come on! Full of vigor. 
I work for Mr. Calhoun. What kind of work do you do? Whatever's required. What would a woman that fine want in a big, fat, nasty, greasy, 12 sandwich eating? What does she want with it? Oh, she likes fat guys. Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Danny Aiello. It's nice to meet you. Michael Lerner, Della Reese, Jasmine Guy. I'd like to go upstairs. Arsenio Hall. Oh, quick as mine. <laughs> Gotta stop overreacting. Overreacted? This is 1989's Harlem Nights. I just keep laughing how much I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, sorry, sorry, go on, go on. The IMDb synopsis is, During the 1930s, a New York City illegal gambling house owner and his associates must deal with strong competition gangsters and corrupt cops in order to stay in business directed by eddie murphy um and it's the only thing he's directed Mm -hmm. it is written by eddie murphy he also wrote coming to america beverly hills cop 2 and boomerang Mm. um it stars eddie murphy as quick richard pryor sugar ray red fox as benny wilson denny aiello as phil cantone Michael Lerner is Bugsy Calhoun and Della Reese is Vera. <laughs> yeah, this is like you've only experienced Della Reese in Touched by an Angel, right? Yeah. And what was your shock about? I was <laughs> like, oh shit, she's profane. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, Della Reese swears up a store in this movie. I fucking love it. She just like kiss my ass. Like, I know, yeah, I love it. <laughs> that's so great. I think uh, she's the best character out of the whole movie. She sure is the most, um, I would say she is, she is actually the most charismatic. I would say she's the most down to earth. I don't want to say anything because like she doesn't give a shit about anything. She's mm-hmm. just to the point. Yeah, she, yeah she's to the point. Um, she has a point. Well, a lot of shit she says. Um, surprisingly, um, uh, it, uh, it hasn't been that long since I revisited this movie. I think the last time I saw it was maybe like last year. And this is like one of those films that I grew up watching a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a strong cult cult following, especially in the black community. Um, I believe the critic score is maybe like 20% on Rotten Tomato or something like that. Really? Yeah. But the audience score is like 80%. Okay. So it's 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 a good film. Okay, I can um, see both sides. <laughs> yeah, there are some problems with the direction. Um, but more, what the most important critic I would like to hear is Kelsey's opinion on the movie. My opinion of the movie. Mm. Sorry, I have to shift. Cause, oh, she has to get ready for this. No, oh, no, no, God. No, because no, my butt hurts from sitting so long <laughs> in this chair. Okay. Because um, everyone had to know that. <laughs> <laughs> the movie uh. has some merit, but I don't think it's rewatchable. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Um, I've never seen Richard Pryor in anything. Mm, okay. And every time I looked at him, all I could think of was Steve Harvey. Because he kind of looks like him. Yeah, I can see that. Like a super skinny Steve like a really Yeah, like a really skinny, like his face is longer or whatever. But mm. his eyes and his mouth. Mm. And even sometimes the way he talks a little bit. Fuck, now I can get that image out of my head now. I'm getting like a side-by-side <laughs> look of Steve Harvey and Richard Pryor. I'm like, shit, no. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, I like the premise of the story in a certain sense that... Um, Sugar Ray takes Quicken as his son once he realizes he has nowhere to go. Mm. And obviously this kid needs some direction or guidance because 
he's willing to pick up a gun and fucking kill somebody in, in like a gambling game. Yeah, like he'll probably if 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 uh, Sugar Ray isn't there to, to damn okay, if Sugar Ray isn't there to to take care of um uh, Eddie Murphy's character at a young age, he's either gonna end up dead or end up in prison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So um, so he takes them in, and then they're adults, mm. and. I kind of like the whole, like, it's kind of stereotypical, like, someone moving in on somebody else's territory or whatever. Yeah, like, a, a mob, it's a typical uh, mob, mobster movie. Yeah, that's why it's, you know, Harlem Nights, Black Man Fights. But. Go <laughs> <Get> on. <laughs> uh, there's a camaraderie with the group that you don't see in, like, Italian or, like, other types of mafia or gangster movies. Mm. Not to say like like Italians have like this whole family thing. Yeah. Um. But as you know, I'm sure you know. Sometimes like the f- the friends you make are your family. Yeah. And I feel like Harlem Knights does this. Like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they're not like you're my family. So no matter what you know you can't do any wrong like sometimes it is in like the italian mafia type things Mm. it's more like no i choose you and we're all in this together and i'm not gonna like turn my back on you because we're friends we're you know like we're we're tied together yeah i like that um and so that kind of lends itself to comedy and like how they interact with each other like Mm. um you know the time that della reese gets her pinky toe blown off oh yeah the interaction between um eddie murphy and della reese's character and della reese is like (laughs) (laughs) like you you told me that i'm a a fucking thief so come outside right now i'm gonna beat your fucking ass yeah it's like i gotta whoop your ass to teach you a lesson and um and and she does yeah and quick at the beginning quick is like oh whatever no we ain't really gonna fight now she fucks him up she even like uppercuts him uppercuts him at one point and his feet leave the ground which i i don't know whose idea was that to get that shot but i love that shot yeah and even when he gets hit you hear eddie murphy go (laughs) (laughs) shit's great uh but then he hits her with like a trash can she's like oh so you're throwing trash can now like you want to fight dirty i was like Oh, fuck. That, yo, that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, but then he, like, pulls a gun on her because she, like, won't give up. Mm. And, uh, but, like, it's kind of his fault, too, because he's, like, stubborn. Yeah, and he was egging her on and shit. Yeah, so, um, like, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's not really believable, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, and it makes it great storytelling. Yeah. Um, but it's so, it's kind of like this weird, it's one of those things that shouldn't work where, Sugar Ray is like a club owner who club owners are notoriously notoriously crooked. Um, and obviously he's into like some crime enterprises and different things, but he's yep. still like a good guy. Yeah, he's a he's a gangster with a heart of gold. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it, it makes the story likable. Like it's one of those. I don't know if. I don't know how to say it without being, because, like, I'm white, right? Oh, my God. Okay. But, you know, like, 
obviously not all black people are like this, obviously. Because, mm. you know, the minute you say all black people are like something, then you're going to get <sighs> eyebrows raised. Yeah. But, you know, there are people out there who do things because either it's what they've known or because they're they they're kind of good at it mm. or whatever but the the backstory behind them is they just need to do something for their family or whatever mm, okay um and i kind of feel like there's some like heart and and truth in in that aspect of the film okay especially like where black people are concerned because white people aren't that fucking clever or that fucking nice or mm. whatever so to have them do something that is normally not looked good upon, um, but they're doing it in like the familial type of way, mm -hmm. um, I think is really kind of true to the race. Okay. And I think that's why black people really like the movie too. Because there's yeah. like a warmth to it. Yeah. Even I though like it's like criminal stuff and white people are like, oh, this is bad or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's kind of not like yeah yeah i mean because like um eddie murphy really took us took the writing so that you can actually really pick the obvious good side which is sugar ray and his gang and the obvious bad side who is um uh bugsy Bugs calhoun Buggy, Bugsy calhoun Cal calhoun who is you know the head of this mafia organization he's trying to strong arm sugar ray to like give him like like what 80% of the profit or some shit yeah. like that. He even like, he even sends his, uh, one of his cops, um, who's played by Danny Aiello after him to pretty much go like, Hey, I'm delivering this message. You know, you're going to be working for Calhoun or I'm going to take, or he's going to take the profits and all this kind of stuff. And then sets forth this motion of like sugar Ray and Eddie and quick, like we're going to come up with this plan where we're going to get all this money. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, that I actually do like because we're kind of like, I mean, in any other typical like mafia film, you would give both sides more angst into what, why they're doing this or what, or the fact that they're more, they're criminals despite what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But, um, this is like one of those films where it's honestly, I'll just watch it and just be like, let me just put all logic like in the, on the wayside. Put the logic on the wayside, but also like the, um, the Sugar Ray side is like it's crime, but everyone's having a good time. Like it's not like yeah. murder, even though like kind of is, but mm. like it, there's nothing heavy about his side of things. That mm. you know, just you know, drugs and you know, horrors and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like actual mafia shit. Yeah, and then um, uh, what was I gonna say? Something about it that I was just um about richard Pryor. oh okay so wow i can't believe i forgot what the fuck i was gonna say <laughs> about this uh oh okay so yeah um they even they even don't at one oh now i remember now i remember now i'm gonna say yeah you got a sense of like this movie you can you can tell that eddie murphy he wanted to make this movie because he wanted to get like all his friends to be in this film or he wanted to work with like these comedy legends mm -hmm. like Della Reese, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, even like Charlie Murphy. Um, even he got, he even, sorry, he even got his brother Charlie Murphy in it. Um, I'm forgetting the one comedian. Oh, like his, his friend Arsena Hall's in it and everything. So you got a sense that like he did this movie cause he was just like, 
you always want to like get my friends together. I just want us to crack jokes and get have us get paid to do it. Yeah, and, you know, and make this like something I can do. You know, yeah. like as um, you know, as Kelsey had said earlier, this is this is the only film Eddie Murphy's ever directed. I believe he's directed like maybe a, a couple of music videos, mm. but nothing that I can really think of that's really coming up to mind right now. Yeah, um, I still enjoy this movie. Actually, actually. When we start rewatching it, it takes a minute to pick up. Yeah, like the beginning is really fucking slow. Mm-hmm. And I notice, I notice, um, the thing that oh, that's really apparent is like he doesn't. Eddie Murphy does not know when to cut. There are a lot of times when the shots are going on for too long, mm-hmm. and like the conversations end it. Let's transition to the next scene, and they're just like. A whole lot of nothing's going on. Yeah. Where they can, like, this movie is about an hour and 50 minutes. They probably could have, if they cut when they should have, it probably would have knocked out, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. You keep looking up at my cat behind me? I'm sorry. Pocket was grooming him. What? Yeah, so I was, like, smiling, like, because he kind of wants to play, so he doesn't know whether to fuck her up or just let her, let it happen. <laughs> fuck her up. I like how you said that. But, like, she was licking him. See? He's kind of like, I want to play. But she's like, no, I just want to live on you. <laughs> yeah, uh, my cat and Kelsey's cat are constantly fighting. Or play fighting. They're play fighting, but he's so loud you think he's being murdered. Yeah. And then they sleep together. So then you're like, okay, well, you don't hate each other. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to talk about Red Fox's breathing? In the oh beginning? God! At the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where like where Richard Pryor is talking to like a young Quick, and and during this conversation, you just hear. But it sounds more like in his back of his throat, like. <laughs> He probably was like snoring. <laughs> Red Fox is, yeah, at the time he was old as fuck. I was just like, yo, damn, that dude's breathing loud as shit. Mm. Yeah, that was good times. <laughs> Those are good times. Yeah. yeah, Red Fox is breathing. Good times, man. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> that one guy from Devs kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Oh, the one black dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. Like a little bit, not yeah. a lot, but. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, unfortunately, because it was, like, it was fun, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, like, super memorable, other than a few scenes, like the one with Quick and Vera that we talked about already. Yeah. Or, like, uh, the scene where he's with the, um, the girl and and he ends up killing her. Oh, when uh, Quick, um, like when he finds her, her gun, actually. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he shoots. Yeah, Dominique. Um, where Calhoun sends Dominique after him, well, to like seduce him and get him back. She's gonna kill him and everything. And then, um, I actually I did like that scene because like she pulls a gun on him, and he's just like, "Would you really kill me?" And he shows he's like, "Yeah, it's just business." And that is kind of really. Oh no, he said you just make love. You're gonna make love to me. You're gonna shoot me. And she goes like, "It's just business." I thought that was really fucked up. It is, especially because the whole time she's like, "No, it's personal and it's business." Yeah, like she was getting some type of like, like maybe there might have been some connection because Eddie Murphy's or Quick was really he was really hammering the idea that like there might be a connection between the two. Yeah, and he 
Normally, not normally. In some of Eddie Murphy's films, he kind of plays like this player, like especially like obviously like in Boomerang. Mm-hmm. And this one, you can tell that like he likes the girls, he likes spend time with them, but he's not really a super player because he's always he he likes the business that him and Sugar Ray have built together. Yeah. So like he shoots her, and I remember doing the same thing. <laughs> I've been badass like that. <laughs> no, that is pretty fucked up. You know, they shot her, but like. You know, <laughs> oh, hey, uh, the thing too that I like about him is that he's not mm. above fucking you up just because you're a woman. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. like he's not above like doing that just because, like, you know, if you're a woman and you hit me or like if you can't respect me or whatever, yeah, I'm gonna treat you like I would any other guy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So and but he does kind of give them a chance mm-hmm. to like redeem themselves or whatever or Mm. to like knock their shit off before he jumps but like you know at the end it's gonna be you know your ass because he's just gonna do whatever he's gonna do to protect himself yeah absolutely um which kind of leads into uh one part that i i still watch i still like watching because i i still think it's fucking hilarious when quick leaves the um the guy's apartment and the guy his brother goes and check it and sees like his brother dead and goes after him and that's arsenio <laughs> hall and uh his character no lie his character name on the imdb page is crying man <laughs> and it's so funny because he's like oh we're gonna kill Quang. Oh, i'm gonna shoot that motherfucker down oh. i was like man i love it it's so it's so dumb yeah that i love that that's i don't I've, i don't have words for that it was just, <laughs> like it went on forever mm-hmm like you would think that he would be like calm down at some point but he <laughs> no. keeps that level the uh. whole time <laughs> even as he's dying yeah he's like motherfucker uh. <laughs> <laughs> um how I can see why Eddie Murphy never touched never gotten behind uh, the camera again his directing is actually kind of not kind of it is it is pretty bad i mean i i kind of alluded that like his he doesn't know how to cut a style but there are certain times where um he's not really conveying what he's trying to say within the film you know like this is like honestly this is just like a fun film but i think he could have said a lot more within the story if he just took his time yeah when making it um i read somewhere that uh during an interview he said that he said that he wished he took his time on the movie uh because one of the biggest problems that he had was that he was too busy trying to find out when the next party or where the next party was at. Oh, okay, Instead of, like, yeah. focusing on the business. Yeah. Um, he had been wanting to work with Eddie... Uh, Eddie Murphy had been wanting to work with Richard Pryor forever because they were, they were friends. But Pryor said during... Uh, Pryor said in his biography that he actually never... He never... He, supposedly he never really liked Eddie Murphy's comedy because it was too mean. I can um, see that. But then Richard Pryor was kind of a filthy comedian, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was filthy. But, like, there are times where Eddie Murphy was, like, he would say, like, during a stand he would say, like, faggot a lot. Oh. And stuff like that. And he would kind of go a little too hard. Even though, don't get me wrong, I like Delirious. I like Raw. His, his stand-up, his most well-known stand-up specials. But some of it, like, it in no way he can get away with that shit now. Yeah. Like, at all. Um, now, I remember you said you had pointed about, uh, I think you pointed about Richard Pryor's performance in the movie. Um, what did I say? I thought he, I think he was one of the more realistic characters because he, Mm. um, I don't know. 
He oh, you know what I said? I said I could. Has he been in anything else? Yeah, because I could tell that he's an actor. Yeah. Like he's not just some comedian they threw into a role. Yeah, he actually looks like he belongs in that role. Like he acts well in it. I actually think he's one of the better actors in the movie. Okay, so that's funny how you say that because um, Pryor said during an interview that. He wasn't fully focused on his character because he had just received news that he was diagnosed with a multiple sclerosis and he hadn't told it ever anyone yet. Oh wow! So, so I maybe can, that kind of lends to the idea that his face always looks kind of worried. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can tell, like, but I, it kind of goes with the role anyway. Yeah, like you got like a, a you got a very father figure, very kind of um, teacher role in this movie. Towards quick. Who was supposed to be like the hot blooded firecracker who's coming in guns and blazing and stuff like that? And Bridget Pryor's just like, no, like fucking think, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which I think of credit for Pryor, even though like, like you said that his he was the like the better performances in the film, and I I don't say he was like the worst or anything like that, but you can tell for me, I, I could tell that something was really off with that guy. Like, he wasn't fully into it. I've never really seen him in anything, not even his comedy, so I don't know. Mm. Um, but I think it's just because he was one of the grounding elements of the film. Like, in oh, yeah, that. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that's why I really liked him, because he wasn't the crying man, mm. and he wasn't... Uh, Della Reese or Vera saying, kiss my ass constantly. Yeah, or uh, Bugsy's right hand, um, Phil Cantone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I gotcha, gotcha. Uh I did. There's one part that, it like okay, so the scene where like, um, I forgot the name of the boxer, uh, but it's the the one boxer. He's going at it with the Irish, the Irish boxer, mm-hmm. and every time the Irish boxer like hit the black dude, um, the white crowd is like yeah. Yeah. And then when the black when the black boxer hits the white guy, black crowd's like yeah. <laughs> it was fucked up. That was real. Really? Like, they did that shit like in the early like. 1900s like um um i've been seeing i've been watching videos of jack johnson he was this black boxer who crossed was called the color line and um during one of his big matches where he fought this white guy um they were doing the whole thing where you see white people cheer and black people cheer and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it got to the point no lie it got to the point because jack johnson is like this huge he was like this huge six foot two like big fucking black guy right it got to the point where like jack johnson's beating the crap out of this boxer and people are like yo stop the fight he's murdering the guy yeah um but yeah just (laughs) i just kind of want to get that out like that shit that that scene that boxing yo that's real that shit really happened back then Mm. but it was good to have a bit of comedy behind it yes and the way he talks too yeah yeah oh his name um his name is Jack Jen- Jack Jenkins, played by Stan Shaw. Yeah, and he has like a stuttering issue. Yeah. Um, I'm. I don't know. I felt like I honestly felt like they. I I felt like they dialed like they could have gone really hard because back then certain comedies they would just kind of make fun of that shit like really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever it was like Pryor or Eddie Murphy, they were just kind of like doing these facial expressions like, uh, okay, all right, all right. But you they know. were still waiting. Like they weren't like, come on, get to the fucking point. Yeah, we're making fun of like it. Like it was still kind of soft, like kind of like, okay, we like this guy or mm. like, you know, he's a friend or whatever. Yeah, and I think that actually that has to go with how Murphy, how Eddie Murphy wrote that that character, like how to have the stuttering um, used for comedy, but when it was like used 
as when someone when someone actually made a comment about it and was like really fucked up it was it was for Danny Aiello to say that mm-hmm. at one point Danny Aiello actually makes fun of him and it kind of like I think he did it for the audience to be like yeah Danny Aiello is a fucking asshole yeah exactly like, let's not forget that yeah 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 um so yeah I mean I still like it I mean the it seemed like the the issues with the movie are more apparent for me now mm-hmm. after rewatching it. Like I said, it, t- it takes a while for it to really pick up, um, but once it does, it 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 works. Like that 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 third act when they come up with a plan of how to get the money and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that I'm glad I watched it. Mm. I don't think it holds up today. Okay, I'm and sorry. I don't think it's really rewatchable. Like it's not going to be like a cult classic type. But Watch it is. for me. It is a cult classic. Get, but, with, get in with a cult. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I saw a news article today that called uh, Trump followers the the Trump cult. Oh like, yeah. Oh okay. Cool. I'm glad we're calling it that now because that makes sense. Yeah, and they like wearing those. You know, they like wearing their the MAGA uh, hats. Yeah, their white hoods. I mean, the MAGA hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Uh, yep. So, um, anything you want to add to it? You done? Good. 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 All right. Um, oh, well, yeah. Kelsey said it kind of does. You said it doesn't hold up, right? Right. Okay. I, I think it. Like it, it, some of parts of it are applicable mm-hmm. to today mm. as far as how one black people are ostracized, but also they actually are with each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and the like, and there's a bond. Mm. Uh, but it's not gonna hold anyone's interest so in the end does it really matter mm, i got you i got you um still like it i still enjoy it probably won't revisit it for a while unless i want something to like really feel good about yeah <laughs> <laughs> unless i want something to feel really feel good about so like if it makes you feel good about it why don't you watch it every day because then it gets boring no, it's, it's like having chocolate cake every day. You get tired of it. You have chocolate cake every day. No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Actually, yes, I'm in a kick right now. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's still good. It, it, it definitely all deserves its cult like status. Um, yeah, I, I think it does deserve the cult like status. Mm. I don't think it could have that same effect on people today. Yeah, like, it's definitely I don't doubt not that. like. I do not doubt that. Uh, what's that movie that we watched that we really liked? Which one? The one with Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Oh, uh, Death Trap. Death Trap. That had a huge effect on us. Mm. And you'd never seen that one. Yeah. So you know what? No lie. I could actually revisit that movie and then try to see like where they leave the clues of like to the big reveals to that movie. Yeah. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like they're not. It doesn't apply to today because it's not going to hold your interest the way mm. some like that film did. Okay, yeah, I got you. I see what you're saying. Um, it has a point, and I think it has a lot to teach people, but most people aren't going to listen if it's not going to hold their interest. Gotcha. All right, cool. So that's going to be it for the show for this week. Um, you can find the episode and past episodes on all podcast catchers. Um... Don't forget to give us a five-star review mm-hmm. while you're on iTunes. And next week, like I, like we said earlier, 
we are going to be spending our time talking about Hulu's devs. Um, we're going to give you guys enough time to watch the show, ep- all eight episodes, kind of get your thoughts together. Fuck, if you want to drop on a line and give your thoughts of what the movie, oh, what the movie, what the show was trying to say, what was the what the end of the series said and everything, please do so. Um, we're at The Real Appeal, that's real with two E's, at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram, Instagram or Twitter or whatever. All them social medias. Yeah. And that's about it. So, I got to tell you guys a story. One time I was out in Hollywood, just hanging out, whatever, doing my thing. And I see Brett Ratner. The The uh, guy that you hate? The guy I hate. And I see this beautiful, beautiful woman right there. And then when I saw this woman, and I saw her with Brett Ratner, just hanging off of him, the words... Of Quick, played by Eddie Murphy, came to me. Actually, it wasn't the words. It was more of a question. And the question was, what would a woman that fine, one in a big, fat, nasty, greasy, fat, stank, bloated, cheese bag, 12-sandwich-eating bastard 